everyone. Welcome to Pod and Point Podcast. My name is Vladimir Bosanek, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike McPhee. Mike, say hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to talk about sports, business, the business of sport, and everything in between. We'll address news, we'll talk about what's interesting, and we'll put our unique spin and analysis on it. Yeah, eventually we're going to interview some interesting people as well, and we're going to make sure this is fun and informative for everyone. A little bit about us as we get going here. We're two great friends, also dads. We've both worked for some interesting companies over the years, and most importantly, uh, college athletes. And so our stories are going to focus on the intersection of all of those experiences. Absolutely. And that's right, Vlad. We're going to bring this to you from Mobile Studios as well. It's all the rage. Vlad's checking in from Seattle, the Jet City, and I'm in the Rocky Mountain City, the mile-high city known as Denver. But we have a global sports perspective, and we're going to talk about all the sports out there, everything that we see that's interesting. And we hope you'll join us each and every week as we journal the globe and talk sports and business. All right, Vlad, you ready? Let's go. Mike, welcome back. Welcome back. Episode six. Here we are. Here we are. Mike, I have a question for you. Do you have a favorite number six jersey? Number six. Don't know if I thought of anybody at number six. That's LeBron and the Heat. I know for sure there. Yeah. And then uh, local guy, uh, Broncos, uh, Bubby Brister, not not a name that really did anything. That's that's what I got on number six. What what do you got for us? (laughs) Dr. J. Oh, the for Dr. sure. Dr. J, Julius Irving. For sure. Julius, the Dr. Irving. Julius with the afro or without? or, or You know or what? I'll, I'll take him with or without the afro. He was one of my idols growing up. That's oh, nice. for sure. Yeah. Nice. One of the things I watched growing up, actually, um, there was a movie that he starred in called um, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to dig dig really deep into the IMDb over here. I think it came out in the 80s and it was it was like a cheesy uh, movie where this, you know, astrologist put together a team go. in Pittsburgh and they, you know, they were they were they were killing it. They Headlining Dr. J. You Headlining know, Dr. J. We, we we are getting to be such we need pop culture on our byline here. We're sports <laughs> business, so. the business of sports and in pop culture. And pop culture. I like That's it. exactly right. That's he, exactly right. He was right. no Jesus Shuttlesworth, it doesn't sound like. Right? <laughs> With He Got Game. Remember that? Ray Allen? Ray I Allen? Do. Oh, yes. I do. Denzel. I do. Yes. Great movie. Yep. Yep. Great movie. Spike Lee Joint. So. Yep. I remember that one. Yep. There yep. we yep. go. All right, Vlad. Well, like all of other shows, we've got a full deck. So let's uh, let's preview it, and then you're going to take us from the top on the, the first speed rounder here. So today on the pod, folks, we're going to talk about a couple things in speed round. In speed round, we're going to get into the NCAA considering waiving the record requirements for bowl games. Then we're going to touch on to uh, U.S. women's soccer players leaving to play in Europe. But then our top stories, we'll dig in a little deeper, as you folks know. Our first one, we're going to come and do a, a second tripper on uh, name and likeness legislation and how that's gone to Capitol Hill and to Congress. Then we're going to touch Tour de France, dig into what's happening there. Our last top story is, does sports have a Gen Z problem? Mm-hmm. So that'll be a fun little chat, Vlad. And then I think Come On Man's in your camp this week. So I got uh, one. I got one for us. Good deal, buddy. So uh, take us from the top here to kick off our speed round here, Vlad. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the news items that I saw um, earlier this week was that the NCAA is considering waiving uh, the records as a requirement for mm-hmm. uh, football bowl play, which I thought was very interesting. Right, uh, Mike, you know more about this than I do. Uh, explain this to me. You know how what, how does the you know bowl system work, and and then I'll tell you why I think this was kind of an interesting item for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, so bowls. Bowls, I think, traditionally have been the reward for a good season. Sure. And when it, when you hear about waiving that record requirement, there's been a requirement that you have to have a, a bowl, you have to be 500 against Division One teams. So you could go six and six and not be 500 if one of your wins was against a lower tier team. So that's always an angle to watch out for. But it's crazy. There's 41 games here, Vlad. So 82 yeah. teams out of 130 are going to be, quote-unquote, not not just bowl eligible, but playing in a bowl game. So that's kind of the construct in play. Yeah. What, what was interesting to me is that is that as as I read this, that they're you know, considering waiving the requirements. I, I felt like, it was was that really what they wanted to do? One of the things that I saw was that hmm. you know Kansas City, for instance, beat Oklahoma last weekend, right? right. And Oklahoma right. was ranked, or is ranked, you know, very high. And Kansas State oh, yeah, like number three Kansas, or Kansas something. State is not... Yeah, yeah, right. So, so does that mean that Kansas State, you know, they hustle, they you know beat a great team like that, and they don't get rewarded? Um, does this mean like the NCAA is going to be picking who's going to go to the bowls so they can, yeah, you know, maximize revenue? I, I, I was getting a little cynical here. Um, I, I don't mean to, but every time. I see, you know, the NCAA kind of making decisions on stuff like this. I start thinking like, okay, what, what, what's really going on here? You know, so th- that one was kind of, it sort of smelled a little bit to me, but yeah. but I could be overreacting. I don't know. Uh, yeah. NCAA has become a little bit of a four-letter word for us, aren't they? <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. we're even picking on these guys, but they're big guys. They can handle it. That, that billion-dollar check uh, for March Madness gives them uh, the chops, right? So... You know, Vlad, that might happen where some teams that were more deserving do not go when you look at the attractiveness of programs. And there's always been this quote-unquote, does a team travel well? Yeah. But Vlad, the components of bowls vis-a-vis the pandemic and COVID in 2020, it's, it's going to be different. There's no question. Um, so Vlad, I'm a big-time college football fan, been tracking on this space forever. Bowl games come down to three different components from the business side. Uh, first part is ticket sales. Um, there's no question that's going to underperform. You know, yes, it, it, that's even if they an have understatement, probably the, the distanced crowd, even if it's in a place that puts in the half the building, that's going to way underperform. So that's yeah, that's yeah. that's going to go a strike against the money's flowing to the bowls. Number two, sponsorships. Those generally are multi-year deals. That's probably going to come through for them. Maybe there's some make goods on signage and different stuff, but I think the checks are going to flow there. And then the third part of bowls is media. And that's where you might see a team that is lower profile lose out on a deserving spot. Um, Like you said, that Kansas State versus Oklahoma, because the media is going to drive big dollars and eyeballs, right? Yeah, which, and that's really the shame. That's that's the shame part of it, right? I mean, I get it, but I also... You know, these kids are hustling. They're playing. In some cases, you know, putting their lives on the line, right? There's that. And, and, and that reward construct gets flipped on its ear, right? If that's been the long-term construct is that yeah. great season rewarded to these bowl games generally in the southern part of the country, warmer weather, different things. But you don't have to go too long on the bowl here, Vlad, but there's a, there's one other angle is that the schools are facing on this one and that – they don't have as enticing of a proposition anymore because they're, they're alumni and boosters. They're not going to travel for it. You know, so that notion of does a school travel well, that's out. 
You know, yeah. you're, you're not going to see that to the nature we traditionally do. Then the school's not going to travel the same way. So th- their bills will go down, but they won't be there a week before. You know, they're not going to move their on-campus activities and the quote-unquote bubble they might have on campus down to the to the, to the bowl site. So they'll probably fly in the day before. Um, and so that's going to lower lower some of their expenses. But, you know, every one of those universities is going to want to be in when you look at their practice time. That That's like the big one is they, yeah. play, they get their, their young guys get practice time and, and they get media exposure. We played in a bowl game yet again. It could be the nowhere bowl game and Southeast nowhere, but they get to claim that they get a bowl game. So those are, those are the things. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling you, man, I'm with you that if NCAA waves that, that record requirement, what's an unintended consequence of that, you know? Yeah. It'll be something to keep our eyes on. And, you know, like I said, I hope, I hope some of these, you know, really well-performing teams don't lose out simply because they're, you know, not on some, you know, media list, right? That's right. Not a marquee name in a traditional sense. Good All right. Deal. Well, we'll we'll keep our eye on it. Yeah, a couple more months there on that one. You got the next one here for us, Vlad? Yeah. So, you know, one other thing that I've noticed, there's been some news out there about uh, U.S. women's soccer players are leaving uh, the U.S. Uh, going yeah. to play in Europe. Uh, yeah. You know, good on them. But uh, what do you what do you think about this? Yeah, Vlad. You know, when we first talked about this earlier this week, it was a head scratcher. You know, what these players are going to Europe. It's supposedly the U.S. League is is the best players and and the best soccer, and they all just played. But then, when you just look a little deeper, a couple paragraphs down in the story on why they're leaving, there's an aha moment, and that yeah. is, we found Vlad when we looked up this, and and I think listeners would be interested, is that these top women's players are not contracted to their teams. They're contracted to the U.S. Soccer Federation, and they're allocated to their teams. So, in effect, they just picked up and said, I'm going to go and play overseas. And big names are doing it. You know, you've got a pair that have gone to Manchester United in uh, Press and Heath. Um, You've got a pair that have gone to Man City. And then you were tracking on on, a, on the most recent name, the biggest name. You know, take us through that here, Vlad. On who's who most recently has gone over to London? Alex Morgan, yeah, and and just as a little bit of a kind of a to you know set this up a little bit, you know, it, it's it's a bit of a shame. I mean, I I I get it. Look, uh, there there are leagues elsewhere where they can play. Um, I guess the positive aspect of this is that. I, I guess the U.S. league is 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 not playing at the same time as the European league. league, so yeah, so it gives soccer. them an, it gives them an opportunity to actually make money year round. So right. I you know salute that awesome. Right. Um, but you know the challenge here is that you know you've got you know unless Mike you and I know this right unless you play four sports football basketball baseball or hockey <laughs> you are you are going to have a very hard time making a living in the U.S. as an athlete right yeah, in the U.S. professionally that's for sure. after after you leave that's right. you, you you leave college. But this U.S. soccer team has done amazingly well. I mean, just really, you know, top of the world in in terms of talent and mm-hmm. capabilities and winnings. So it's kind of a shame that there there isn't more of it here here in the here in the U.S. But yeah, but Alex Morgan um, recently was uh, signed by Tottenham. Yes. Tottenham is one of these you know prized you know Premier League teams. Yes. As you know, Mike, um, in Europe, the the teams in Europe are, are not just you know men's soccer. You know, th- they also have a women's soccer team, right. they have a basketball team, they have a you know a hockey team. Uh, you know, you name it, right? It's under this whole whole umbrella. You know, right. other other sport other sports fall fall there too, and and you know. 
uh, one of the things that sort of shows you how excited they were about her is they put a big old poster of her on you know Lister right in the middle of Lister Square in you know downtown London. Oh, cool! Yeah, and and Lister Square is one of these like big tourist traps. If you go to London, you go to Lister Square. Yeah, for kind of sure. like if you, if you come to Seattle, you go to you know the Pike Place Market, right? Right. And and it and they put this big old poster there showing Alex Morgan is coming to that's the cool. UK. Yeah, that's um, cool. So that's that's kind of great. Uh, makes him feel awesome. Um, but the you know the bummer is you don't see any banners like that like that in no. the US, right? No. And and man, I don't even know what team Alex Morgan. I think she was on Orlando. Yeah, she was on the Orlando team, and I think she's married to a to a player on the Orlando MLS team. Um, but Vlad, I I'm really curious. I'd love to learn more about. You'd said how these these European squads have men's and women's clubs. Don't they get into other sports too? Right? Isn't that the model? Oh in yeah. Europe? Oh right? yeah, yeah. So they got volleyball no, no, no. That's, and that's and, exactly and it. Hoops. So like you know. Yeah, so like you know, Bar- Barcelona has a very strong basketball team. You know, uh, Real Madrid has a very strong bas- basketball team, but they have you know handball and water polo, and I'm, I mean, I'm sort of you know naming sports, but yeah. but they have a number of different sports, and I actually am am sort of wondering, you know, if that could be a model that in the U.S. could could emerge. I mean, think of like you know, think of like the Seattle, you know, Seattle Seahawks, for instance, right. all of a sudden having you know also a soccer team, and it's kind of a you know. May not happen here because we have a very strong soccer team in Seattle. Uh-huh. But but imagine but imagine if under the umbrella of the Seattle Seahawks, a number of different sports actually play. I think it would be one of those things where like you know the rising tide will lift all of the boats, and it would okay. really it would really be something where athletes then could sort of look to the to the U.S. And I think it would help these teams become bigger. I think it would promote sports more. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually you know wondering why that hasn't happened, and I'm. You know, maybe appealing to people like you know Mark Cuban and you know folks like that who are innovators as sort of you yeah. know sports owners to maybe think about it that way because I think there could be a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah, maybe that's a, a Steve Ballmer out there in Los Angeles and Vlad. Wasn't isn't the other angle there is you'd have to consolidate the brand, right? So you'd have if it was Dallas Mavericks, then all sports would be Dallas Mavericks, right? Isn't that one of the angles? But but that's that that's just a speed bump. Like that's not a, a big thing, I think. Yeah, and that's that's exactly right. That's that's exactly right. And one thing also about Alex Morgan, which I thought was super interesting. So she actually has something like nine point two million followers on her Whoa. Instagram account. Whoa. Um the Tottenham Club, which includes men's soccer and women's soccer and everything else, yeah, right. has eight point seven. So she brings more <laughs> followers than the club that she's going to play for. Is isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, so uh Tottenham with Harry Kane and Deli Ali and all these English stars, yet they're second place behind Alex Morgan. That's brilliant. Yeah, That's really cool. So. Well, back here across the pond, I, I I would love to see a you know some team build out an academy because business lens again here, Vlad. You got to gain some efficiencies out of that, right? So just in complex and in training staff and 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 those angles, right? Wouldn't that be yeah? One of the things I'd, you'd see? I'd- I think so, and uh, you know, there we can we can talk about this for you know hours. I think, uh-huh. but yeah, I think there's an opportunity here to kind of you know really look at it more broadly right. and really tap into a lot of the talent. Actually, I mean, this country is such a such a sports manufacturing machine. I mean, we have stars in every sport coming out of the U.S. and they all retire after college, which is which is really generally. a shame. Not yeah, all, generally. but a lot of them do because there's just not all, any opportunities, opportunities. here. Um, okay. And I think teams could be, you know, look, looking at it. 
um, you know, differently. Well, honoring our, our British folk out there, it's a brilliant move. Uh, I love that. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. 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 All right, Vlad. So uh, that's our speed round for this week. And um, let's uh, let's put out a little note to our listeners. You got this? Yeah, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, name, image, and likeness uh, legislation that just went to Congress. We're also going to talk about the Tour de France and some some new uh, new news there. And then finally, we are going to talk about... The Gen Z problems. We're going to look at why Gen Z doesn't like or watch sports as much as some of their Mm -hmm. older siblings. Mm -hmm. Hi, guys. Mike and I are having a great time in our makeshift studios creating these podcasts, and we hope that you also learn something new each time we talk about sports. If you think we're on point, please subscribe to our podcast, tell others about it, give us a review, and keep listening. If you'd like us to cover a specific topic, please reach out. Our contact information is in the show notes. Stay well and keep listening. All right, Mike, and we're back. So here we are. First story, first story for our top story here is name, image, and likeness legislation goes to Congress. So, Mike, as you know, um, your Ohio, your 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 hometown yeah, <laughs> um, representative, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, uh, yes. he's a Republican out of out of Ohio, uh, yes, introduced is. in the House a version of um, of name, image, and likeness bill called the Student Athlete Athlete Level Playing Field Act, That's right. which he is co-sponsoring with Emmanuel Cleaver, a Democrat out of Missouri. And uh, there are three other Republicans, three other three other Democrats. So it's a bipartisan bill yep. to push this discussion along um, the name, image, and likeness uh, conversation. So this is this is not the first bill. Uh, the first one was actually introduced in the Senate by Senator Marco Rubio. But what's different about this one, one, it's bipartisan, uh, Rubio's wasn't. Two, in Gonzalez, we actually have a former athlete. So right. uh, some right. of the provisions in this bill are pro-athlete. Uh, right. They're giving some concessions to the NCAA, ob- obviously, but they're also pro, pro-athlete, pro which is which is very interesting. Uh, and Mike, then, and uh, thought, pun intended. Yeah, pun intended. This is for the pro-athlete on, on college campus. I like that. I like that. You know, so so you got what do we have here, Vlad? You know, so as you said, Rubio's was more more NCAA friendly, and, and Gonzalez is in there with more player friendly, and and we saw two things that that went into that the this first version of the bill um, that I think are notable, and let, let's 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 put those on the table, Vlad. So the first one is around um, you know around restriction. And restriction and also preemption. The second one's preemption. So yeah, actually let's let's go with preemption first. So what that means is that. The federal law is going to preempt any state laws. And, and what did we see, Vlad, that, what was it, Colorado, California, Florida, at the state level were some of the initiators here in the yeah, last six so, to nine months? Yeah, exactly. So this bill is basically trying to, you know, preempt any other laws and make it, basically make the federal law overrule any other state okay. le- state legislation. Yes. And what, what, what they're trying to do here is that we don't end up with you know fifty jurisdictions mm. kind of pushing pushing their own rules and you know regulations because that that would be a mess right not just for the conferences but for the NCA as a as a whole yeah and I can kind of see that I can I can argue with that um, one issue that I have with that however Mike as you know the only reason 
this is on the table and we are discussing name, image, and likeness is because California, Colorado, and Florida actually pushed the issue, right? So you had three states, four states that are, right. that, you know, that kind of, you know, sided with the players and said, hey, we're, we're going to make some, you know, changes here. So if you preempt this and basically push it just on Congress and push it just to the federal level. I am a little concerned what that does for the athletes because as you and I know, Mike, the NCAA has deep pockets or tries to have deep pockets. They're going to lobby against this. The athletes have no collective bargaining here. And I'm just a little concerned that that, that they they might lose out with uh, this, you know, preemption rule. Yeah. I think that's, that's an interesting part to this, Vlad. And, and, but man, you don't have to squint to see that states would compete along this lines, Vlad, and maybe that's okay with a marketplace lens, but you could see one state saying, we'll, we'll loosen our parameters, come play for a, for a university in our state, and I'm a free markets guy, you know, maybe that's the right thing. Um, yeah, and so. and and they could do things where they basically say the federal law is the baseline, right? And and you sort of you know you you can't create a state law that would contradict it, but you know th- this has been resolved before. This is this is not the first time that not something the first like one. this has, has right. you know come up. On the on the restriction side, um, as you know, uh, you know the NCA doesn't want athletes to be you know sponsored by certain businesses or products, uh, you know considered you know vice products like you know tobacco and, yeah. uh, you know, marijuana and things like that, right? And I totally understand that. So on the restriction side, I can see how that makes sense. And also you don't want him to be, you know, sponsored by a company that's, you know, you know counter to the culture of what the university is trying to do, right? Yeah, yeah So right. I'm, I'm aligned with that. And I can, I can see that that, that that makes sense. And I think the bill tries to sort of say, you know, we're going to give NCAA some stuff. We're going to give the players some stuff. But, but the restriction stuff makes sense to me. Yeah, you, I, I, I'm not going to say for sure, but I saw in the article, I don't know if it made the bill, that they call this the common sense list. And I, and I chuckled, Vlad, as, yeah. as, as I think a college kid's version of common sense is probably <laughs> a little right. different than, That's right. than Congress's and then even ours. So a little bit, maybe that needs to be framed a little tighter. Um, but on, on some level, I think there's like a vice list, maybe. maybe that's never going to make it as a term, but there's a vice list. You know, stay away from Jewel and the casinos and all those guys. But but there's one I still think they're going to haggle over, Vlad, and that is apparel and and deals that the university say say university's got a Nike deal. Can yeah. an athlete can the can athlete wear a Adidas in a university spot? And I think th- I think this bill says no to that. I want to say Gonzalez says the university in university events they've got to honor university deals. So, okay, maybe that's where this goes. But when you're out wearing your casual gear, maybe that's where you wear your Adidas or Under Armour. And we see that, right? Because we see, like, Tom Brady's got his Under Armour commercial and he's got no NFL gear on whatsoever. Uh, and, then you know, like, like, Steph Curry's got his degree commercial and he's got he's got black and, and, and gray stuff on. So so there's precedent there, too. Um, but, man, I, I just don't want to see the restrictive list gain too much steam, you know? Yeah, no, and that's a and that's a good point. I mean, you know, what if it's a what if a school is a Nike school, but then you have the athlete, you know, practicing in you know Under Armour on the lawn of the school, right? So it appears like he or she's practicing, but it's yeah. not an official practice, right? This is just sort just of them goof, goofing around wearing wearing something else, right? So th- that could be an issue, but but I don't know. 
you know, I, I, I fear, I fear you're right, Mike. I fear I like, you know, this might be the one where, where the athletes lose again, because they don't have a collective bargaining, um, power at, and they be. don't have a body that's sort of pushing for them. You know, that's kind of the unfortunate aspect of where we are with this Yes, is that you, you're, you're down to, you know, guys like Gonzalez and others who maybe were former athletes and sort of get it right. And they're mm-hmm. realizing, okay, we got to stand up for the athletes. One other thing that I that I have noticed is is looks like some amendments to this bill might be coming. There might be some other folks who are looking to to augment the bill. So it looks like uh, Senator Cory Booker, Democrat out of New Jersey and a former football player for Stanford, okay, he's also pushing to expand some things like you know eligibility freedoms and you know long term health care and some lifetime educational scholarships and things like that. Um, Senator Blumenthal out of Connecticut is, is kind of behind him. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can see where, you know, where others are going to sort of start to add things on, mm-hmm. but I hope, I hope what we come out is that we actually have something. It doesn't have to be perfect. I, I hope that we just come up with something that becomes a starting point and then it gets better and better over, over time. Yeah. I, yeah. Definitely see the same wave law. Let's, let's get a deal done that gets these wheels moving. Don't gum it all up so then nobody can do anything. And, you know, there, there's political strategy in this, but I'd have to say name, image, and likeness is its own box. That, that's got a lot of meat to it. And maybe the things like Booker and others are after. Isn't there longer-term health care and uh, education, you know, post-grad education and different things that look out for a different wellness angle as opposed yeah. to, you know, monetizing their activities? Um, so valuable um, and and. Maybe that's one on our watch list then too, Vlad. Is let's let's keep that on the watch list. Maybe as that develops, we'll we'll chat about that in time. Yeah, and as you and I talked about this a couple of days ago, Mike, you know the window for some of these athletes to make money or to do something with a name, image, and likeness could be very short. You know, three years, two years, four years, right? No question. As you and I know, a lot of these athletes are not going to go pro. They're not going to go to the next level. So if they have an opportunity to earn some money and kind of get themselves going. I think that could be a great thing, right? I think you're right. I, I heard a, just a, a way this was framed the other day for me. It resonated in that the, that the players are famous during their college years, but but certainly most aren't going to go on to be wealthy. So take advantage of this this famous window right. while it opens and closes. Good deal. That's a good chat, Vlad. Let's keep watching that one. Yeah, that one will be that one will be interesting to watch, and I'm sure we'll come back as it Take gets three. updated and <laughs> revised. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, so the next one takes us to France, uh, Mike. Vive I la France. To, yeah, vive la France. I want us to go to uh, Tour de France. So I, I uh, just as a little background to to our to our listeners. I am from, you know, the country that used to be called Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia. When I left the country, the country of Slovenia was part of part of that. And and why I'm saying that is a Slovenian just won the Tour de France. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say that I am the countryman of this man. We'll take it. <laughs> who won old the Tour country. de France. It's old country. Tade, Tade Pogacar. And I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to be proud. I'm going to be proud that he won. Um, anyway, interesting thing about that, Mike, um, he won the Tour de France uh, a day before his 22nd birthday. Youngster. Um, Youngster. The prior year's winner, who is from Colombia, uh, Egan Bernal, Won it when he was 22, also. Another youngster. Which got me, yeah, and very young, right? Which got me thinking. Um, I don't, because because I remember following this more 
closely. And uh, this is this is this is not a young man's sport, actually. Mm. Um, from everything that I've kind of seen and read about this, cycling is one of these sports where you know your 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 body gets into kind of a kind of the 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 endurance and the ability uh, to sort of do these things later right. on. So right. most of most of the winners over the last few decades have been in their, you know, 30s, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so when I saw that, you know, back-to-back years, uh a couple of 22-year-olds won, I thought this is super exciting. So it got me thinking to look back when were other, you know, you know, winners in their 20s, right? Yeah. So there was one in 2007. Uh, Albert, Alberto Contador, Contador from Spain. From Spain yeah, he yep. won it when he was 24, 25. Okay. And then it was 10 years before, in 1997, Germany's Jan Ulrich won it also in his 20s. Ah. And then before that, it goes for like, you know, you know years, right? So so this is very exciting. What what do you think about this, Mike? Yeah, let's, uh, let's actually tip our hats first off to another bubble success as Tour yes. de France. Had uh, a, the moving bubble, and they were able to pull off their entire <laughs> the moving event bubble I like that, and got their got to their finish line in multiple yep. ways. So good on them. Um, but second, let's spotlight this youth movement, Vlad. This is fun, you know. As guys looking for innovation, I think you're going to get it from this young crowd as well. They're always pushing us, uh, us old timers, a little bit. But you know, it's fun to see the young guys topping the podium. And and there's there's a twist here, Vlad, for for inside lens into cycling, and that is. For for years, and you just framed it that there was two winners of the Tour de France in what thirty forty years, and now we're back to back twenty two year olds. So yeah. they even have in, in in the the racing culture. There's different jerseys. There's King of the Mountain. There's points leader. There's yellow jersey. You know, for the guy who's leading overall overall leader, right? For the for the peloton and yep. uh, and the GC and and but they have this best young rider award. So that's just, I guess that's a nod to the young crowd and kind of keep them interested. Um, They wear a white jersey, right? They wear a white jersey. And, um, but what's interesting is the guys that are winning are yellow jersey guys now, but they would have won the white jersey as well. So it's kind of a little twist on the cycling culture that there hasn't been a white jersey rider for these last couple of races. And that's kind of a fun angle. Yeah, and, and it's and it's kind of interesting, you know. Is is this like the old guys making fun of the young guys? Say, hey, let's give him white jersey, so so, so he stands out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Put the white one on the young buck. There, there's yeah. a youngin. There's yeah. a youngin. Here Watch you go. Watch hey, you Rook. go. Watch hey Rook. Hey Rook, go get go get my bags. You can put on that exactly. white jersey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, and you know what? What I think is interesting here, Mike, and you know this is a little cheeky, but um, you know I think the United States owes this sport a great big old apology. You know, Lance Armstrong really reinvigorated the sport. Yeah. I mean, there was so much interest in the you know early two thousands when when he was dominating, right? Yeah. When he was winning back to back tours, I mean, it was just unbelievable, right? And then you know it all fell apart, right? When he was discovered to have been doping and you know taking drugs uh, and that kind of stuff, right. and and I feel. The sport really, really hurt after that. I mean, it it just got decimated, and it it probably took a good you know ten years or so until people are kind of back into it and following it. And and I feel like you know the United States because of Lance Armstrong mm-hmm. really owes this sport mm-hmm. you know some um, some attention. Um, what do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, you know Vlad, I, I used to be a uh, 
a many, many mile cycler out there in my California days. I, I was a 150 mile a week guy. Um, okay. Okay. So, uh, I'm that's reformed not now. That's, that's five, six days on the, on the saddle, but I, I'm reformed. I'm only, uh, just paths now here in Colorado, but anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm still a fan. So, you know, I, I like an I, I, interesting angle. Does the U.S. owe this sport after you know we we helped on the ascent side as as we had that whole team of U.S. riders around Armstrong and George Hincapie and all those guys, and then Floyd Landis is the next American and wins and he gets popped for doping, right? So yeah. the so the yeah. U.S. led the descent. We we led the ascent and then the descent. If you keep the uh, the mountains metaphor there in France and. You know, I, I got to say, is, is if this thing's going to be picked up by the U.S. audience again, I think there's likely going to have to be U.S. writers that come to the fore. So so bear I with agree. me here, Vlad. I you know, I think U.S. loves a story. U.S. loves to follow a, an athlete, and, and we've got history over that. But let's let's look a little bit, and maybe there's that lens like you had with these younger guys. Let's look at our U.S. performance in the last couple of Tour de France's. So 2018, top U.S. rider was in 32nd place. And the next okay. was in 72nd place. So these guys, are get, we don't know their names. It doesn't matter. And they're getting no TV time. They're not <laughs> right. getting any TV time. So U.S. Right. audience right. is not tracking. In right. 2019, 62nd place and 73rd. So so we were worse. Um, and then those guys are old guys. If, if you go with this young man's lens, they were 31, 31, 32, and 32 years old. So that's... Or, or maybe just coming into their prime, Mike. Uh, maybe, <laughs> or maybe, right. maybe age-wise, but not those athletes per se. Right, but, right. Um, but I'd say we've got 2020s happened, and a new angle's emerged. And, and run with me here, Vlad. I like this guy. He's got a great nickname. He's called the Durango Kid. Okay. He's come out of nowhere. He's only been in road cycling for a year or two. He's a mountain bike guy. A mountain bike at the college level and all this different stuff here, even in Colorado. So that's cool. He's got a great, great nickname, Durango Kid. He's 26, out of nowhere, finishes 15th this year. 15th place. Okay. Okay. So, so watch for this guy. Sep Kuss. I hope I say his name right. Um, but, but where I'm going, Vlad, is that actually – he was only third on his team. So he's on a really good team. If he's 15th, he's in third in his teams. I think yeah, the number two yeah. guy was from his team. Um, and so for the U.S. to get fired up, I'm going to guess this guy's going to have to get to the top of his team. He's going to have to grab some U.S. sponsors. He's going to have to win a Euro or the Vuelta, the, the races in Spain and Italy. And then the U.S., I think, will start signing up to watch. I really believe it. He's going to have to get to the top of the podium. Maybe they'll wear the yellow jersey a little bit for stage winners. It's going to have to do something or someone like him at, at 25, 26. What do you think? Yeah, and I think it's also a great opportunity for, for a U.S. team owner to go go over there and start a team and launch a team and do something there. Because I think, you know, it sounds like there's a couple of interesting, you know, um, cyclists from the U.S. that could actually, you know, be on those teams. So yeah. number one, they would get some, you know, coverage. They might be able to raise some money locally here in the U.S. They could, yeah. you know, take take them on a tour. You yeah. know, they could do some races here in the U.S. As 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 a former biker, I'm sure you can tell us about how many races there are. But there, there's a lot of tour races to California, in, in everywhere. Colorado right? Classic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have one. I have one for you, Mike. What about J Lo? And A Rod starting a team. Now that they can't do the mats, maybe they can do a cycling team. What do you think, Mike? You know, Are we onto something. It's brilliant. That, that's that's just a brilliant angle, and and I'm sold now. We are sorry. We're, we're <laughs> sorry a podcast that's here. about sports, business, the business of sports, and the intersection of sports and pop culture. That's that's our or, that's our identity. Or just J Lo nonsense, whatever. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> I like it. You know, but um, it, it'll be, I think, I think just logically, you're going to have to get some success and then the U.S. will follow. I think so. It's going to have to I think so. Again. Yeah. I think you're so, right. Yeah. There we go. I think you're right. Well, that was fun, Vlad. I like talking cycling. So I'm glad we fit that story in today. Yeah. Good one. Okay, Vlad, let's uh, let's move on to our third and final top story, and I'm going to wonder aloud. All right, Vlad, third top story. Does sports have a Gen Z problem? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Wondering, we are wondering, but who is Gen Z? Let's start there, and I didn't know who Gen Z was before I saw this story pop for this week. So Gen Z is some youngsters to some folks that are out in the real world, and that's Folks born from 1995 to 2015. So you've got some five-year-olds all the way up to your teenagers and your 20-somethings, right? So, um, and, and when this crowd is surveyed as to their interests, as market researchers are wont to do, uh, they look at the traditional properties. So your big leagues, your NBA, your NFL, those type things. Their interest is down across the board, across yeah. the board. They're just not interested. Another yeah. one. They're twice as likely as millennials to say they never watch sports, Vlad. Never. That's an interesting number. 2x of what millennials are doing. And millennials have really driven recent innovations and and big-time sports watching, even though they're not cable folks. They watch it on all the different mediums. But it looks like when you unpack what Gen Z is all about, they like to connect with individuals. They're not connecting to teams, and they're not connecting to categories. So said another way, they're not... NFL fans, maybe they don't like uh, the Cowboys, but they like Ezekiel Elliott, their running back, and that's it. That's their guy. So it's, have you seen this, Vlad? I know we both got some Gen Zers in our own households. Yes, yes, I've seen it, Mike. I have seen the light. <laughs> no, uh, I'm I'm going to speculate here a little bit, but I I totally see it, and um, you know. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think this this group is just so distracted, right? I mean, when you now you when you and I were growing up, and we're you know Gen X, so we're we're one generation removed. But you know, you know, TV for us for the most part was sort of everything, right? This crowd has an iPad, an iPhone, a TV, a, a Fire tablet, a Nintendo Switch. You know, yeah. the TV is this thing that sits in a corner that they turn on when they need to look at something big or something like that, right? Plug in their it's, switch, it's, right? Give me yeah, a display. Pl- plug, in, plug in a game console or something like that, yeah. right? So I'm not terribly surprised. I've also, I have to say, like, like I've, I've observed with, with like my kids. So as, as you know, Mike, my, my daughter's a volleyball player. So you know, semi athlete, right? I, I have the hardest time getting her to watch like volleyball. Huh. And we've been, I've been trying to pull up some, some, you know, you know, games on, you know, YouTube, and it'll be like, you know, college games or some, you know, professional league games, or, you know, and I'll say, hey, let's watch, you know, USA play, you know, Brazil from last fall or something like that. Big time game, not interested. Game. And they want nothing. Just not interested, it. which is yeah. very interesting, right? Um, so I can, I can totally see that, and, um, and I think, I think this is going to be a problem. I think if these leagues think that it's just going to be a rollover and another generation is going to do what the one before and the one before did, I think they are deadly wrong. And I think they need to be studying this demographic shift very, very closely. Yeah. It, I wonder too, Vlad, here, as, as you've got forecasted in this nearest term where media deals are going to jump off the page, we're reading those about the traditional leagues. NBA is going to sign a new media deal in the next one to three years. NFL is going to sign a new media deal in the next one to three years. And all the forecasts are calling for those to be record numbers. 
But then what about the deal after that? So that, that deal will be three to five years. Well, are we going to are we going to peak in this next round in those well, traditional venues? Could we say yeah, that and, possibly? And 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 not only that, Mike, but as we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the the viewerships are down. So so they're they're signing. So the deals are getting bigger, but the viewers they they can't get the number of people that they used to get, you know, five ten years ago. Yeah. Right? So then it, it's a head scratcher why the deals are more lucrative. When the viewership's down, so that must be that they're capturing a more lucrative ad um, part of their business. Um, well, but, but we know that's got pressure facing the ad model and corporate yes. businesses. So, so but but back over to this Gen Z crowd, you know what the signals are is they they consume these things differently and they're into esports and esports. Esports follows an always-on model. You could probably turn on to Twitch and these different things and see people playing esports across the planet at any time. You don't have to wait for Sunday's NFL game. You don't have to be in season to catch your NBA game, right? And so I think that's one. And then two, the traditional leagues here in the states, I think they're they're at a crossroads. And are they gonna if, if the next generation wants to connect with individuals, do they promote? individual athletes or do they promote teams nba's been there right you know that one yeah nba's promoted individual athletes since the 80s with Bird, and individual rivalries Magic, also, right yeah celtics right. lakers yep but i think the other leagues either a they're behind helmets so you don't get to see them as much right so your hockey yeah. and your football behind a helmet or two they're promoting things at the league or, or, or major team level and i'm and that the data says that's not resonating with this next generation and I'll I'll throw one more at you here, Mike, uh, which I think is super relevant. You know, I think this generation is a lot more interested in kind of a broader perspective of an individual. So I'll, you know, I don't know if you heard of Mr. Beast, Mike. No, don't. But know if you Mr. haven't, Beast. you should look him up. <laughs> Mr. What, what, Beast. What's his sport? Is he an esport guy? No, he's not an esport guy. He's a young twenty-something who gets around with a bunch of his buddies. And they film these YouTube videos and they do like some amazing stuff. Like, you know, they've raised like, you know, $30 million to plant 30 million trees. Then oh. they then they basically went to this, um, you know, animal shelter place and they got people to adopt every animal, you know, because they would buy these, you know, ads and they had yeah. this like, you know, thing, oh, we got to do this in 24 hours. Like really some kind of amazing kind of stuff, you know, almost like the stuff that like Oprah used to do back in the day, right? Right. But now it's like a now it's like a couple of kids, not a couple, but like a handful of kids sort of getting together and doing these really like like amazing things. And I feel like that is very different from an athlete who, you know, had a you know, triple double. Like, okay, kind of amazing, but like who cares? Right. Yeah, <laughs> Did that generate so. any views on TikTok, right? Maybe so. And and I think that's an element that that the sports leagues need to start thinking about. They need to innovate and start thinking about it right now. How do they leverage their athletes on sort of multi-level, right? Multi kind of platform, multi-level where it's not just the accomplishment in in the you know on the court the or arena. on the pitch or yeah. in the arena, yeah. right? Yeah. But there's other things, and they use that personality to sort of gain interest from from the younger sport. Mike, I think somebody needs to hire us to to do sports marketing for them. What do you, what do you think? That or or let's <laughs> tie it back to name, image, and likeness crowd. If those are your eighteen to twenty somethings, they're going to know what their peers want. Maybe yes. they've got an angle to show exactly. their personality, their off the field, off the court persona. 
and, exactly. and take it and run. And maybe, maybe they defy what we said a few moments back, Vlad, is that, oh, they've got this two to three year window to be famous and make their name. Well, maybe that's their next launching pad and they launch, launch a, a decade worth of activity uh, across their persona and the way they connect with their crowd and whatever. So, huh. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so, going to cool. be interesting. And, and, and I think leagues and teams need to innovate because, you know, I, I don't think these kids, Mike, and you and I know this, you know, <laughs> if you want a kid to stop liking something, uh, you start liking it. That's it. <laughs> right. Get, get an account and follow them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And so, and so, and so for, for anybody to think that, that they're just going to watch the sport the way you and I grew up watching it, that they're just going to be engaged in the way you and I are engaged at, at watching a, you know, three hour match. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. It's no. just not going to happen. And, um, innovate or die, I think in this case is going to be very relevant. Yeah, that that sticks for me for sure. Is that you got to get things down to digestible small bites uh, for for the young crowds to come through because they're your next fans, right? Yes, that band goes five to twenty five years old, but you're going to snap your fingers and they're all going to be in the in your buying public, you know, and they're going to be twenty five to thirty five and 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 be the next spenders. So yeah. Gen Z does sports have a problem? That's a good one. It'll be interesting. All right, Mike. Well, to close the show, I've got a come on, man, for you. I you am ready? ready. I okay. am ready. So uh, this goes into the column of. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, it's it's come quasi. On, man. Come are you on, kidding man? me? Oh, it's come got, on, it's got an add me? on. All right, <laughs> it's like, come it's on, on a little add on. Are you kidding me? Okay. So um, it looks like um, Rafa Nadal who is uh, in the middle of playing the Roland Garros tennis tournament in Paris. French um, Open. Yeah, French Open. French Open is now uh, playing during during the match, wearing yeah. a million-dollar watch, a Richard Mill million-dollar watch. A who? I, I, that, uh, that's got a that's got a, a who, a come on, man, and are you kidding me? Million-dollar watch while he plays. While he plays. So if, <laughs> if, if, there's, if there's ever a message that you want to send... <laughs> Or you don't want to send to anyone trying to, you know, aspire to play that sport. I mean, it's like, come on, man. Oh my word! I mean, can you connect? Can you can you try to connect with the rest of the people in this world? <laughs> that's that's a walking luxury brand right there. Woo! Ah, yeah, I don't know this one. This one rubbed me the wrong way, and I was just like, come on, man. Seriously. Yeah. yeah don't fall on that wrist. Don't don't scratch up on that dirt. Don't scratch yeah, and that I'm, million and I'm dollar looking, watch. And I'm, and I'm sure it's for advertising, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, Mike, you, you you and I remember, right? I mean, anybody that ever played any sports when you and I were growing up and showed up wearing a watch <laughs> was kind of almost not on the team, right? <laughs> He's last picked. <laughs> oh no, we're good. We're good. We'll, we'll play yeah, shorthanded. We got, we got you, man. No, no, we're no, we don't we don't need four and four. We'll we'll play that four with three of ours. Exactly. We're good. We're good. <laughs> we're take, good. Take your watch. What time is it, pal? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Come on, man. That's a, come on, man. Are you kidding me? I like it. Good one, Vlad. There you go. There you go. All right. So there we have it. That's our week. That's That's our show. show. That's a fun one, Vlad. Good game. Yeah. Good game. If you like our uh, podcast, please subscribe and like us, send us questions. Our contact information will be in the show notes and we look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next week. That's indeed. See you next week, Vlad.